Welcome to this week's message. I'm Malcolm Baxter, Senior Pastor of Heart Church, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you've been coming for years or it's your first time on the podcast, we hope this inspires you. What a joy, what a joy to be here again. Um, last Sunday was, of course, Vision Sunday. Uh, that's available online where we, we talk about who we are as a church, but also um, about what our road of travel is um, for, this coming, for this coming year. And so with that in mind, um, today, I'm going to um, revisit uh, some of what I talked about um, last week because uh, repetition is the mother of all learning and uh, it's, the, it's appropriate just to come and revisit, particularly the aspect of, uh, of what we are focusing on this year, which was three words, go, sow, and grow. And uh, I mentioned that these are, these are distinct, but they also kind of uh, flow into, into each other. Both go, sow, and grow are action words. And uh, it's, it's an understanding that as the church of Jesus Christ, as the body of Christ, um, there is a call, there is a call to action. Um, so these are the three words that I felt um, the Lord lay on my heart, and we're just going to work our way through um, again. Um, the Scripture in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 19, that I led from, uh, from this first section of Go, was, uh, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And I, I love this because it, it helps us to um, understand that Jesus has authority, and therefore, in his name, we also have authority. And he says, he said, therefore, go. Go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make converts. He said go and make disciples. And uh, it's always such a joy to see people responding to the gospel. Uh, and it's also good to remember that that is the beginning of a journey. It's a beginning of development. It's a beginning. It's a beginning of growth. And it's the beginning of, of a life change. And... Making disciples um, in, in, in many ways is about my experience and growth helping you to grow. In this regard, we need each other. We need each, we need each other. No one has got all the answers. We, 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 need, we need each other to grow in the things, in the things of God. Um, and of course... Um, very much uh, Jesus points us towards baptism. And, you know, I want to encourage you that if you, if you know uh, Jesus, if you've asked Jesus to come into your life and you're not yet baptized, I want, to, I want to encourage you to be baptized. I do think that um, there's, been, that there's been this thinking in churches over the years that almost like baptism is a reward for good behavior. 
You know, you get everything sorted and then, and then you get baptised. And uh, that is not at all. Baptism is part of the repentance process. And in fact, um, trying to get myself sorted before I'm baptised is a bit like trying to get myself clean before I take a shower. It's like, well, why? Why would you be trying to do that? You know, baptism is part of the repentance process. And in fact, there is a supernatural aspect to it that brings empowerment to my discipleship process. It's not just a ritual or uh, something for, to do in the church. It, there is something powerful that happens where the, the past is cut, up, cut off. And, um, and uh, the, <laughs> we're talking about resurrection at the beginning of our service. The, the picture is a, a death of the old life and a resurrection to the new life as you come out of the, come out of the water. Jesus, in, in giving us authority, is helping us to understand that we are influencers um, of our environments. We, we, are, we are called to influence the environments around us. And I used the language last week of a people, we're a people on a mission. Jesus is not a a secret to be kept. But then I would also want to say um, that we, we, lead, we lead more by example and not with brute force and ignorance. You know, I, I think that we live in a culture in this day and age where there's a war of words. Everyone's speaking. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's got something to say. Social media is full of it. Everyone's expressing their opinions. And so there are thoughts, there are words, there are philosophies. You know, um, Paul said, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So we shouldn't reduce the gospel to only wise and persuasive words. Um, there needs to be a demonstration in our life that those words, the gospel, has impacted our life. See, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we're, we're gifted with love, with joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. Those things, through the Spirit, should be part of our lives. It's a supernatural thing. It's not that I, um, oh, like I need to keep trying harder. I need to keep trying harder. You know, I'm, I'm out here trying. It's actually not that. The gospel is the truth that, that there is help in this regard. This, this resurrection power, this life is here to help me do things which I cannot do on my own. I try and I fail. I will and, and I will keep failing because I do not have the ability to maintain these things in my life. But the Holy Spirit is there 
to help me and call these things out. And these essentially are the attributes that make us distinct from those who don't know the Lord. So beyond the things that we say, using the right words, saying the right things, there should be something about our life that speaks louder. St. Francis of Assisi said this, by all means preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Think about that for a moment. In other words, there should be something about my life that preaches the gospel every day without me even opening my mouth. There should be something about my life that speaks about the reality of Jesus without me opening my mouth. But then there will be times where it will be necessary to do that. By all means, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Matthew says, here's another way to put it in Matthew 5. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make make you light bearers, You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up to God. There's something about, something about me, something about you, where, where the Holy Spirit is that is different, that feels different. The church is the hope of the world and not just a refuge from it. I understand that, you know, I know what it is to have a tough week. I know what it is to go through tough times. And I know there are many times when the church is a refuge, but it's not just a refuge. The church of Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And and there is something about you and I that speaks of hope. This this resurrection power, this, this incredible Jesus, Jesus makes the difference. You know, you know what I was like before. You know those things that, that the devil had me over. You know those things that I'm working through. But Jesus, Jesus is bringing me through. Jesus is making a way. I, 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 there are some things that I'm battling right now, but Jesus is helping me every day. There are some things I don't do anymore, not just because I've gritted my teeth and said I'm not going to do it anymore. There are some things that I don't do anymore because Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has stopped those things in my life. 
And yes, I've had to cooperate with the process, of course, but, but he enables me. Uh, uh, and as I cooperate, I see the things that held me, held me back, held me down. They do not hold me anymore. Let's dare to live what we say we believe. Our light is meant to shine, not to be hidden. And I really want to emphasize the importance of understanding this is not about just us trying harder and harder to be better people. It's actually about us giving up and saying, I can't be better. Jesus, help me. I need you because I can't do this if you don't help me. I'm not going to make it. But I can tell you, help you, he will. And through him, my believing will impact my behavior. We've got to, as a, as a church community, put down our roots. We've got to, as a church community, go deeper. We, we need something that goes beyond building a house on a sand. We need the kind of faith that is robust enough to withstand the storm. Because storms, it's not if the storms come. The storms will come. But our faith, we need to have built the kind of faith that withstands the storm. And you don't, you don't just wait for the storm to come. You know, I think that, you know, maybe we've all been there, you know, like we're just going along and, uh, and then something hits and, you know, there's nothing like that to boost your prayer life, is there? Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, oh, forgive me. Oh, God. You know, I mean, there are prayers paid in, casualty, uh, in, in, in casualties up, up and down the land. Oh, God, if you just get me through this, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you forever. You know those prayers are prayed. And, you know, unfortunately, they, God gets us through and then we can quickly... We can quickly forget. But we need, we need to build that kind, with the help of God, we need to be the kind of people who can stand by faith against the storm. And that means, that means that we've got to be able to be people who engage with the Word of God because the Word of God is going to help us. It's going to give us life. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give us strength. It's going to give instruction on the way to live and and that means that we've got to engage with it. And, you know, it doesn't matter how good a sermon is, it's never going to be good enough to be enough. And it doesn't matter how emotional that soundbite on social media is, it's never going to be enough to get you through. We need to understand the Bible and we need to engage with the Bible. That's why we, uh, we want to give the opportunity for people to become biblically literate. You know, I think that, you know, like, I don't want to upset anybody, but, you know, the truth is sometimes we use, we even use great scriptures, but they're out of context. And, 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 and we, we, we snatch, we snatch those little things that sound good and say, that's what I'm believing for. But, but what's the point of believing for something that is in, inaccurate when you've got to see it in context? And, uh, you know, not everything that we see out there on social media is in context. So we need to be able to judge appropriately 
what is right. And the only way we do that is by making sure that we're equipped to do it. That's why we're running this uh, story of the Scriptures um, course. It's going to help us to get a breadth of understanding of how Scriptures relate to each other and how we can see Jesus not only in the New Testament but in the Old Testament as well. And that's important. I think that, I think that many of us, and, and please don't read into this. The Bible is the Bible, whether it's on, on your phone or not. I've got no str- tr- um, trouble in uh, uh, relating to that. The only negative I would say is that for some of us who have maybe been around a little bit <clears throat> longer, um, you know, and we actually had physical Bibles, it did kind of give you an understanding a bit more of how fits, things fitted together because you had to you, you had a physical Bible to work your way through. And it's not quite as easy to do that on, on your phone or on your device. But anyway, a course like this is going to help you. And we, we are, you know, uh, also, as I mentioned, you know, Mark Ritchie, who is, I described him as um, an Ephesians 4 evangelist. Ephesians is a book in the Bible. It's a letter written by Paul And in chapter 4, Paul speaks about gifts to the church. In other words, these are gifts that help make the church work. In there is teaching, in there is uh, um, uh, pastoral, in there is the prophetic, but in there is an evangelist. And Mark is an Ephesians 4 evangelist. And he is going to be running uh, the course that he runs, um, which is uh, the Evangelism Masterclass. And that's a fantastic opportunity to be part of, uh, to be in the company who's gotten a, a gift, who's anointed by God, and, uh, and we can learn ways in which we can uh, share, share our faith. You don't have to be uh, an Ephesians 4 gift in order to go because we're all called to do the work the work of the evangelist. Because the world needs to know about a saviour who loves them and can change their lives. And if we don't talk about it, who's going to talk about it? That's why I was saying last week that we mustn't allow ourselves to be silenced. Maybe some of us need to be silent because we're saying the wrong things. But when we're inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying things in the right heart and the right way, talking about how Jesus has changed our life, it just may inspire someone to begin a journey to faith. So we're called to go to our families, in our places of work, in our places of education, wherever. But we're called to sow. In writing his letter to the Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthians, Paul said this, he said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There's nothing difficult to understand about that. If you are going to just give a few seeds, obviously what you get back is going to be less than if you sow Many seeds. Um, Galatians 6 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man receives 
what he sows. And listen, this isn't just about money. You know, a man receives what he sows can be, if I'm sowing a bad attitude, I shouldn't be overly surprised if I get a bad attitude back. Because I, am, I will get back what I've sown. In fact, usually I get back more than I've sown. <laughs> Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. Why does Paul say to us, let's not become weary in doing good? Because it's easy to become weary in doing good. It's tough sometimes. Sometimes we don't see the results as quickly as we would want. But at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let me speak to somebody's spirit today. Keep going. Don't give up. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. No one's denying it's tough, but keep trusting. Keep holding on to Jesus. He's going to see you through. Therefore, we have opportunity. As we have, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. As we have opportunity, <coughs> we should be looking for opportunities to do good wherever we go, but especially with the family of believers. You see, the whole concept of sowing is, as we say in our vision booklet, is about influencing tomorrow today. The truth is, that doesn't have to be a statement in a vision booklet because whether we like it or not, all of us will influence tomorrow by the way we live today. We say in the vision booklet that we are each empowered to reach and influence our own world. We build with the future generations in mind. Together, we reach and influence communities, cities, and a nation. Amen. I want you to understand something that, you know, we, we, we send out our kids, uh, uh, adventure kids. They go out into their teaching. It's not so that you can concentrate during the sermon. It's because we're preparing another generation. We want to build a church. I want to build a church that my grandchildren want to go to. We, we cannot or should not, let me at least say should not, we should not be building a church that is just for our needs. We shouldn't be building a church that just makes me comfortable. We should be building always thinking about what the generations that are to come. We should be sowing into those generations. And I, I can find other places to, you know, sing some of the old songs and, 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 and uh, you know, immerse myself in some of the things that I used to enjoy. And we've all got our altars along the way where we really met God and that's awesome. But, but that's, that's yesterday. Some things are eternal. Some things are not going to change. The truths and the power of the gospel are not going to change. But the way we do it, needs to engage with a younger generation that, that keeps them um, uh, relating to church, but also helps and empowers them to live in the real world. 
Thank you for that one little clap there. Did you hear that? I appreciated that. I appreciated that. Because whether we like it or not, we may not be of this world, but we, we live in the real world. And we've got a function in it. And you know what? Uh, Jesus isn't confused about the season that we now live in. He's not looking around going, wow, I didn't see this coming. He knows. The gospel uh, that he preached is as relevant today as the day it was first released. And it's as powerful today as the day it was first released. And yet in it, we've got responsibilities. Paul is there saying, don't, don't sow to the flesh. In other words, don't just sow to what you want, to what you think you need. Don't just sow to, to uh, the desires that you, that you have because at the end of that, when you sow to what the flesh wants, there's always going to be a hangover. You see, the problem is, the problem is that the, um, don't worry, like, let's not get distracted, whatever is going on. The problem is that we, it's easier to sow to the flesh sometimes because of immediate gratification. Because you get what you want quicker. I always think of that Peter K, Peter K moment when you talk about this, where he's munched his way through a family bar of chocolate and gets down to the last two squares and says, get it away from me. Get it away from me, I'm not having any more. Do you know what I mean? But it's like you've eaten most of the chocolate, bro. You know, it's like... And you, at the end of that, you know, it feels, it feels like it's meeting a need quickly. It's doing something quickly... But the truth is that when we sow to the Spirit, it's slow. Isn't it? When I sow to the Spirit, it's slow, but relief and joy will creep in and there won't be a hangover tomorrow. When we sow good seed, the harvest will come at the proper time and I will be stronger for it. This leads to, to grow. Talk about grow, but, and I, I added on there about being planted because being planted is key to growing. Yeah. Putting down roots is key to growing. And um, I talked about, um, are you here for a takeaway? Are you here for a family meal? Because it is possible to do church in this day and age in a drive-through fashion where we come through, we pick up our experience and we go and get on with our lives. But I do not believe that that is what church is meant to be. We need, we need to build an opportunity for a deeper level of fellowship. That's why I'm excited about life groups. It's not just the church program. It's to facilitate something that is a mystery and happens through fellowship, yeah. godly fellowship. Yeah. That's, why, that's why we do it. It's not to look good on Instagram. It's functional. We need a deeper level of fellowship which goes beyond socialising with each other and enjoying one another's company. 
The Bible says if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. In other words, as we walk with people who walk in the light, there is a level of fellowship released that we wouldn't ordinarily get to. It's a mystery. And we need each other because while I'm waiting for my breakthrough, I need to see some people around me who've got theirs. I need to hear your story. I need to, so tell me again. Tell me again how you made it through. Okay, you're, 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 the thing you're going through right now might not be exactly the thing that I'm going through, but hey, tell me again because, because something happens in me. I get, I get faith for this moment when I hear your story. Something is released in me. Second Peter says this, but growing grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Writing to the Ephesians, Ephesians 4, he said, no prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up, to know the whole truth and tell it in love. Like Christ in everything, we take our lead from Christ who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. And if we are gonna be healthy in God, we will inevitably be robust in love. We need each other. And this is in contrast to the spirit of the age where, which promotes the lordship of self. It's about me, my truth, my feelings. And that is cited as, if you prioritise that, that's the route, to hap- uh, the route to happiness. Look out for you. Stand up for you. But as a disciple of Jesus, Making him Lord means he is on the throne, not me. I do it his way. My mother-in-law uh, used, uh, says this, that um, we said it a lot. Um, I'm not going to even begin to. She sings it as a little Sunday school ditty, but she sings, J is for Jesus, for he takes first place. Always for others, we meet face to face. Why is for you in whatever you do. So put yourself last and spell joy. Some of you will get it later. We need each other. That's why we're talking about praying. It's not to get people to a group because something happens. It's my joy to tell you that, you know, we, we prayed last week for... Uh, for um, uh, um, for um, Jesse April and for um, uh, both for Lily and Sadhu's little girl Zoe. And, and, and there was, by the end of the day, there was improvements. By Tuesday, Jesse was out of hospital. Zoe was out of ICU. And I say that to you because the doctors themselves couldn't quite work out. My God, may God give us some of those kind of situations where the doctors can't really work out what's going on, but they just know they're getting better. And 
yeah, no, listen. Well, it's great, isn't it? That's a great moment. That's a great moment and we celebrate it and genuinely God intervened and sometimes we pray and we don't see those results as quickly but we still need to keep praying because who knows what the Lord is doing with our prayers. That's why praying together does make a difference. We want, we want to grow as a community. That's what again, life, life groups, opportunities to grow uh, and, and develop, and it's right to want to grow and develop and mature in the things of God. We're not here to make God in our image. We are here to say, you are Lord. You are Lord. God is good. God is great. Our God is not a weak God. There is nobody like Him. And we won't apologise for Him because He is our final authority. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. As I was writing this up, I was um, reminded uh, of a prayer. Some of you will know it. Some of you will never heard of it. It doesn't matter. Uh, prayed by um, a Dr. S.M. Lockeridge in the 1980s and some of us have been around for that long we'll remember it. It went around as a little tape. He was uh, one of the ministers of Calvary Baptist uh, Church in San Diego. He's since gone to be the Lord. Um, but I was reminded of this prayer. I've not thought about it for ages. And um, he was asked one day to close in prayer at the end of a service. And uh, inspired by the Holy Ghost, he spoke out this prayer. And uh, I'm going to close with his prayer today. The Bible says, my king is a seven-way king. He is the king of the Jews, that's a racial king. He's the king of Israel, that's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define His limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of His shoreless supplies. No barriers can hinder Him from pouring out His blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know Him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's Saviour. He's the centrepiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of Himself. He's august and He's unique. 
He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in higher criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of truth theology. He is the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call Him. He's the only one qualified to be the all-sufficient Saviour. I wonder if you know Him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathises and He saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and He guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and He beautifies the meager. Oh, I wonder if you know Him today. Well, my King, He's a key. He's a key. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know Him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His Word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous and His yoke is easy and His burden is light. I wish I could describe Him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get Him out of your mind and you can't get Him off of your hand. He can't, you can't outlive Him and you can't live without Him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand Him, but they found out they couldn't stop Him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in Him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill Him. Death couldn't handle Him. And the grave couldn't hold Him. Yes, that's my King. That's my King. Yours is the Kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about Heart Church, visit heart.church. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.